Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is 11.32 here on the East Coast, and we are here to break down today's MLB slate. Greg, man, uh, it's, I know me and you have been going back all morning uh, waiting for DraftKings and FanDuel to put out some some salaries, and that happened about an hour ago. Yeah, it was pretty crazy, too, because, I mean, we literally canceled the show. We're like, all right, I guess I guess salaries are going to coming out. And it was maybe 30 seconds after we decided to cancel that salaries came out, so... So we're like, all right, let's just push the show back a little bit so we could get some prep in and look at what these players are actually priced at. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. There's no ownership projections yet or anything like that. So just going to be kind of going over who are just the best plays in a vacuum. And then later on the day, or maybe if ownership comes out during the, during the show, then we can make a little bit more game theory type decisions. Yeah, I had a save tweet to, that was in my drafts, ready to go out once uh, I was about to hit sin to say, hey, no, no strategy show, but then salaries come out. Uh, I did notice uh, right as I was putting some uh, my sheets together, uh, no super draft salaries yet, but uh, we do have DraftKings, we do have FanDuel, and we do have Yahoo salaries as well. Of course, this show is sponsored by Yahoo. We'll tell you a little bit more about Yahoo as we go forward with this show. Uh, it is a 12-game main slate. We do have some early games. I guess, I guess the way we should preface this is, we have a scheduled 12-game main <laughs> slate. Uh, we do have a couple of doubleheaders earlier on in the day. Uh, but uh, we are here to talk about the main slate that's going to take place uh, tonight. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, let's get kicked off right with the Braves and the Phillies. Yeah, so uh, one thing that of note in this game is that there is a little bit of rain in the forecast. It's one of the only games that I had uh tagged as a potential weather threat. The other thing too is uh, I was so obsessed with looking over the salaries and everything. I almost forgot that weather's a thing in baseball. So we were like five minutes before the show. I was like, oh, I better check to make sure there's no rain in the forecast. So this is one with potential rain, uh, Robbie Erlin versus Zach Wheeler. Uh, Erlin, former top prospect, left-handed pitcher who um, kind of hasn't really panned out. He's pitched okay this year, but generally limited innings. So it's hard to really trust him. Uh, Zach Wheeler has pitched well this year for the Phillies first year with the team. Uh, the one concern is that the strikeouts haven't necessarily really been there for him. And obviously also the, uh, the weather aspect, tough matchup against the Braves also because we have Max Scherzer on the slate and he's only marginally more expensive than Wheeler. I, I don't really see myself getting up to Wheeler on the slate unless something crazy happens. Like Scherzer's like, you know, 70% owned or something like that. But as it looks right now, I'm probably not going to have all that much interest in Wheeler uh, as for Erlin, I think it makes sense to target some of the Phillies' right-handed bats. So guys like Reese Hoskins, uh, Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, Phil Gosselin has actually oddly been like really, really good against left-handed pitching this year. He's crushed them. So at 3,500 on DraftKings, I think that he's okay to roster as kind of a plug-in value play. Uh, also second base and outfield eligibility for him. You know, when you talk about Zach Wheeler and we look at the price points on, on the different platforms that we have right now, you mentioned about, you know, second highest pitcher on, on DraftKings at 10,300, third highest on FanDuel at 9,800. But if you go over to Yahoo, there is some value on Zach Wheeler at $39. Just to put it in perspective, Max Scherzer is $54 on Yahoo. Yeah, I think. I mean, it still kind of depends on what the on what happens with the weather. The real concern here with me, though, is you look at Wheeler, like the 2.76 ERA is really nice, but then his peripheral number is not nearly as good. Uh, 3.46 FIP, a 3.92 XFIP, 
And a lot of that's just because the the strikeout rate is so down this year. He's only striking on 5.51 hitters per nine innings. I'm sure that's going to come up a little bit, and it's a little bit of a small sample size issue. But in general, somebody who is that expensive on other, even like the $39 on Yahoo is pretty expensive for a guy whose strikeouts are so limited. Um, I'm going to take a wait and see approach with Zach Wheeler because I'm not exactly sure what's going on there. I'm just bringing up his velocity numbers really quick. Um, it's, it's in check 96.8 mile per hour fastball velocity average. And it was 96.7 last year. So there's no real reason I could see that a strikeout should be so far down, but it is what it is right now. And, and the, the matchup is a difficult one. By the way, if you do have any questions uh, on the games, just leave those in the chat. I will attempt to get to them or over in the premium Slack channel. As always, best way is uh, to mention me in Slack and uh, a great way for me to be able to to see it because sometimes a a lot of those uh, questions can get kind of lost in the shelf. Of course, be sure to smash that like button right here on YouTube. And of course, if you're not subscribed to Awesomeo here on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Also hit that notification bell so you know when a new video is up, but we are live. Uh, I will be hosting the MLB Live Before Lock show here later on today, scheduled for 6 p.m. Eastern time. So we'll see how all that uh, plays out. Uh, as probably you're looking at, baseball will be the only thing uh, DFS-wise today. No NBA, no NHL. Look, you know, NBA hasn't officially come out and said, you know, tomorrow is going to be returned. That's kind of the speculation that's out there. I know having ESPN on here here in the office, that was uh, what they were talking about. NHL, uh, we'll, we'll see if it, if it is tomorrow with uh, potentially three games there or not. So, uh, we'll, but of course, we are here to talk about the MLB slate. When we look at, uh, of course, we're talking about the Braves and the Phillies. Uh, do you got a favorite bat on each side of the of this? Uh, yeah, I mentioned Phil Gosselin. Uh, other than that, like, I don't want to target anybody against Zach Wheeler. It's 12 games. Like, we don't have to target against good pitchers. I'm going to rather focus on some of the not-so-good pitchers that are going to be available on the slate. Plus, there's a course field game. So, no reason to target against Zach Wheeler, against Robbie Earl, and I think that Phil Gosselin makes sense as a value play. Uh, yeah, I think we're all going to be looking at that Rockies-Padres game. And yeah, sure. Probably just going to be a matter of uh, can you fit that roster construction you know, into putting those lineups in there. Let's uh, let's move on to the Cubs and the Reds. This will be at 7-10 Eastern time. Kyle Hendricks going for the Cubs. Tyler Maley going for the Reds. Yeah, so Kyle Hendricks is uh, 9,200 on DraftKings. And he's a guy who he's really odd home road splits for his career. Like he's always been really, really good at home and then not nearly as good on the road. Still not somebody that I'm dying a target against ground ball pitcher. Doesn't really give up a lot of hard contact. Doesn't give up a lot of home runs. So generally isn't really a blow up from pitcher also throws a ton of strikes. So it doesn't let a ton of base runner get on base against them. And that just kind of tends to limit the damage. So even if the reds kind of get to him, it's probably unlikely they score more than like four or five runs in the game. So Kyle Hendricks is never really a pitcher. I'm looking to stack against as for Tyler Molly pitching for the Reds, he's kind of the opposite. He's a high strikeout pitcher who's also really high variance. So he's a guy who has potential to have a big fantasy game. He's also a guy who has potential to really get uh, lit up. And if you look at his numbers for the year, he's striking out 11.57 hitters per nine innings. Uh, he does have a 4.41 ERA. And if you look at the projection models for the rest of the season, most of them have them you know, around that, that rate, uh, mid fours ERA going forward. So for GPPs, I think that Molly's a guy who's going to make sense to get a little bit of exposure to, not somebody to get too much exposure to in your lineup just because the, the downside to him is so significant. Uh, but the upside's there too because of all the strikeouts. And then as for the Cubs, I think that they make sense also as a team to have a little bit of exposure to in terms of stacks just because when Tyler Molly isn't throwing strikes and when he's struggling, it could go very, very poorly for him and pretty quickly at times. I mean, if you look at him last year, he had a 21% home run to fly ball rate the year before, 19%. So he's somebody who definitely has potential to give up home runs and only a 29% ground ball rate this year. So he's going to get balls in the air hit against him. And a lot of times those are going to go out of the ballpark also. Mentioned about a potential Cubs stack. Is there a particular part of the lineup you're looking at more than another part? Yeah, I think one guy who's just kind of been underpriced for a while now is Ian Happ. He's kind of had a weird career where he was a top prospect, hit really well, when he first got called up and then just out of nowhere kind of fell apart and struggled, ended up playing down in the minor leagues for about half of last season. Then he got called up towards the end of the year, hit really well. And now he's hitting again really well at the start of the year. He's hitting leadoff for the Cubs and the price hasn't really caught up to the new role for him really across 
any sites. Like every once in a while, he's marginally expensive. He's 4,400 on DraftKings. Given how much of an upside I perceive there to be for the Cubs here, I, I think that he's worth uh, getting exposure to. He's probably my favorite Cub here. Uh, Kyle Schwarber is also another one, kind of a home runner bust option, uh, but not many guys in the league with more power upside than Kyle Schwarber. And anytime you f- he's facing a righty that gives up a lot of fly balls, there's there's always a chance for Schwarber to hit, a, hit one out. Of course, uh, next up we got the Rays and the Marlins. Of course, the Rays were supposed to play last night. Ryan Yarborough uh, was going to get the start last night. I, I know when I was putting together my my two game slate last night, hell yeah, Ryan. You know, I had to I had to kind of go in the fancy cruncher and uh, manipulate uh, how much exposure I wanted to Ryan Yarborough because he was coming up a ton in terms of the four pitchers. Um, you know, in taking on the Marlins, we're expecting a Sanchez is going to get the start for the Marlins. The Marlins haven't officially come out and said that yet. Yeah, I'm not totally sure he's going to start. So I'm going to kind of like reserve opinions and what I'm going to expect from the from the Marlins pitching or the Rays offense, just because even though he was expected to start yesterday, like just since he's so low down in the pecking order of their rotation with the extra day off, maybe they go with somebody else. Uh, if it is him starting, I think it's a decent spot for the Rays. but. I'm not necessarily sure that's going to be the case. As for Ryan Yarbrough, I don't think we need a roster on one-pitcher sites, but as an SP2 on Yahoo or as an SP2 on DraftKings at a cheap price, I think it makes a lot of sense. It's a favorable matchup against the Marlins. Yarbrough doesn't really seem to have the same pitch count restrictions that he's had in the past. Um, I know he's worked deeper into games this year. I'm just bringing up his pitch count per game so far. It is... Yeah, he threw 97 pitches his last outing. So this isn't a situation we had to worry about in the past. to be like, hey, Ryan Yarbrough's pitching, but what are we going to get out of him in four or five innings? And we didn't even always know he was going to pitch, right? Because he was always yeah. a long reliever, but there'd be some times where they just kind of change course. So I remember there being some slates in the past where Ryan Yarbrough would be like really chalky, or not necessarily really chalky, but like a guy was like 25% owned and would just never enter the game in, in DFS contests last year. We don't really have to worry about that. He's not, a, he's not a, like a glorified long reliever anymore. He's a guy who actually starts games. And given that he threw 97 pitches last start, I think he's a pretty good chance to work deep into the game in a favorable matchup. When we look at those raised bats, uh, you know, low, you got to pay up major on DraftKings, 5,500. Austin Meadows, 4,900. Um, when you look at those raised bats, uh, you know, what, what kind of sticks out to you? Yeah, it's hard to say just because, you know, I don't totally know who's pitching for the Marlins. So not only does that not I, – I don't know what the batting order is going to be because we don't know even if it's going to be a lefty or righty on the mound. Uh, if it is a righty, uh, Tsutsugo has been hitting in the middle of the Rays order, and he's really cheap. He's 2300 on DraftKings, so that's a good value play if that ends up being the case. Um, if it is Sanchez that ends up pitching, then I think the there is some good value in the Rays lineup like uh, Tsutsugo – uh, Joey Wendell's reasonably priced. Um, G-Man Choice, 3,500. Now switch hitter G-Man Choi. So I think that he would be uh, a viable choice also. Uh, but it still depends because the Rays utilize such different lineups for lefties and righties mm-hmm. that it's, it's, it's hard to say for sure. Of course, I want to let you know today's show is sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. They are the most trusted name in fantasy sports. If you're not aware, they now include CSV upload and CFC edit features when we're looking to play those multiple lineups. And I mentioned uh, Max Scherzer at $54. He is the most expensive pitcher on the day. We're going to talk about Max Scherzer here in this spot here momentarily. But uh, when it comes to Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, we appreciate their sponsorship of the show. Make better choices. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Obviously, on the Yahoo side of things for this, Nats and Red Sox game, you got to pay up. You know, $54 for Max Scherzer. The next highest uh, salary is $43. Kind of show you how much you're going to have to pay up for Scherzer. Of course, 11K on DK, 10-6 on Fandle. What, what is your take on Max Scherzer here in this spot? Yeah, I like him. I think I, I like him a lot, actually. He's my he's my favorite pitching option on the slate. I don't mind the price tag. I like him everywhere. He's going to be my highest owned pitcher. The matchup against the Red Sox, not nearly as difficult as you think it would be at, at first glance. Like the Red Sox coming into the year, we knew their pitching was going to be bad, except they still had a reasonable win total projection because I think we expected their offense was going to be good coming into the year. And I still thought it was going to be you know good. But against right-handed pitching this year, and we're halfway through the season at this point, 
They have a 92 WRC plus. They have a 24.3% strikeout rating against right-handed pitching. So they're one of they're a bottom 10 offense. They strike out at one of the higher rates against right-handed pitching. So this isn't really all that tough of a matchup that we would think it to be for Max Scherzer. And that would really be the only pause for me is, is at first you look at the Red Sox line and say like, oh, tough matchup. I don't know if I want to pay up for Scherzer, but it's really not a tough matchup. So I'm good with him. I'm good with the Red Sox. And with their kind of la- this late lacking other real high-end aces, who we'd expect to get a lot of strikeout upside from, I think Scherzer makes for for by far the top pitching choice. You know, when you look at these Washington bats, um, you know, obviously, you know, Soto, you got to pay up for Trey Turner, you got to pay up for, but you know, I mean, just look on DK, they're the, you know, 5,900, 5,600 respectively. But after that, your next highest national bats is 4,400. Yeah. Last I looked, the Red Sox don't have a confirmed starting pitcher. Um, I think Martin Perez is a potential one, but at least on MLB.com, they have it to be determined. I don't think there's an official starting pitcher. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Which, uh, like with the Raisin last game, that does make this a little bit tricky. If it is Martin Perez, then I think that there are some guys like Howie Kendrick has always hit left-handed pitching really well. He's only 3,900 on DraftKings. He'd be worth looking at. Um, I wouldn't be super... Uh, looking at a guy like Juan Soto at 5,900 against a left-handed pitcher, I think he'd be okay just because Martin Perez isn't particularly good and the Red Sox have a bad bullpen behind him. But that's it's a pretty expensive price tag for Soto. I'd rather pay up for some of the guys at Coors Field. Um, Kendrick's the one that stands out the most. Uh, Victor Robles, I think, is a viable value play at the bottom of the order. But still, it's another one where it's just, let's see who the Red Sox officially name as their starting pitcher. I mean, obviously, we know Scherzer's going on the mound. Um, you know, do, do you see your uh, – you know, you mentioned about how you're going to be all over Scherzer. I mean, are we – you know, have you have you already kind of set what your exposure is going to be on that? Uh, I didn't just because the price thing came out so late before the before the show that I didn't really get a chance to that. I did do just like a fake cr- – like a dummy crunch before we went on, and it actually didn't come out with that much Scherzer at the time. So really? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to bump that up. Um, manually, or it'll just change during the day by itself. Um, but I, I expect that I'm going to be somewhere in like the 70 plus percent range on Scherzer and that he'll be my highest on pitcher. Of course, uh, be on the lookout, Osmo.com here. Uh, as the day goes on for those ownership projections and, and all the content we have at Osmo.com, definitely want to let you know about a giveaway that we have going on right now where you can win a month of Osmo Plus MLB access. All you got to do is reply to the pin tweet on our Twitter handle at Osimo underscore com with your prediction of what team scores the most runs tonight and follow the instructions on the graphic to make sure you are eligible. So you would definitely want to take advantage of that great giveaway we have over on our Twitter handle at Osimo underscore com. Then we got uh, one of the biggest, the biggest betting favorite of the night, the Dodgers taking on the Rangers. I know someone had noted uh, in our premium site account of how hot it's going to be in Texas tonight. Now is, you know, obviously with the, the new stadium there with the roof, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, you got to imagine that, that retractable roof, it's going to be closed majority of the nights. Yeah. And then also, I mean, if you look at the, the park factor numbers so far this year, and obviously we're not looking at all that many games because most teams have played, you know, like 10 to 15 home games or something like that. But in the last few years, the Texas Rangers have always had one of the most hitter friendly ballparks in baseball. And that hasn't been the case so far this year. And it's hard to know exactly why. Is it just a small sample size issue? Is it because they're closing the roof more? Is it because the stadium just does a better job at, at limiting how the ball flies out? Um, maybe that'll also just end up normalizing a little bit as the year goes on. But for now, I'm just assuming it's not nearly the same hitters park it was in the past. Uh, I really do like Dustin May as a pitcher's pro- as a pitching prospect. And the Rangers had a bad offense this year. It's been one that I like to target pitchers against. They have a 59 WRC plus against right-handed pitching. Like that's in- impossibly terrible. The issue with Dustin May is just the Dodgers have been so cautious mm-hmm. with their starting pitchers this year, whether it's May or Urias or Walker Bueller before he got hurt. 
They just don't let these guys work very deep into games, and that really limits the amount of upside that they could have. So I look at Dustin May on single pitcher sites, and th- there's not enough upside for me to roster him. And then at on two pitcher sites like DraftKings, where he's 9,100, that's too expensive for me when there's like Max Scherzer on the slate that I also want to pay up for. So it's a situation where I think Dustin May is good enough where I don't want to play any Rangers bats because they suck against right-handed pitching. But then on the other side too, I don't really want to roster Dustin May because I'm concerned about his upside working deep into games with how cautious the Dodgers have been with him. Yeah, when we look at uh, Dustin May in terms of, uh, you know, his DK points, it's not been, uh, you know, not been very good. No, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, he has gone over 80 pitches, uh, in his starts, but you know, just it just hasn't scored well. Of course, we're always looking at those Dodger bats. Uh, are you does the 6200 price on Mookie Betts concern you? Is it getting too high? I mean, like in most situations, I'd be like, I'd be willing to play Mookie Betts in stacks anyway, but it's just another situation where if I'm paying up for an offense, I prefer the Coors Field game to this game. Now, if you look at Jordan Lyles this year, he's also been really bad. I mean, he's a 9.25 ERA, a 6.24 FIP, 5.92 strikeouts per nine innings, 4.81 walks per nine innings. So there's definitely potential for Jordan Miles to get totally blown up in this spot because, I mean, it's basically what he's done every single start so far this year. Uh, I don't I don't mind the Dodgers as a stack. It's just a lower priority for me than the Coors Field game. The only thing that would really make me change my mind on that is if the Dodgers would be really low-owned and then say like San Diego is to come out as like 20% owned as a stack or something like that. Yeah. As, as we uh, do this show live right now, uh, Jordan Lyles, we do not have a price on him. Um, and primarily because of, you know, heading into last night, Mike Miner was listed as the starter for today, Jordan Lyles for last night. So we're going to have to wait and kind of see how that does play out by the way they priced Mike Miner at a 300 on DK. So that's something to play there. Uh, in terms of, of the hitters for Texas, obviously Joey Gallo is always somebody that uh, people are going to look at because of the, the home run ability. But is there if Gallo's not your favorite bat, is there another one? No, I'm fine with just avoiding them. Uh, so like Dustin May, even though he hasn't put up great fantasy point totals and even his peripheral numbers don't look that good, it's not like Dustin May is a bad pitcher or anything like that. I mean, the 2.79 ERA isn't isn't real and it should be worse than that, but I mean, still a 4.4 FIP. He's kind of a middle-of-the-road pitcher. And the Rangers, with that 59 WRC plus against right-handed pitching, I just – I can't make an investment on them when there's a 12-game slate. If this was a smaller slate where there was a spot to leverage or if Dustin May was going to be really popular, that's the situation where I look at the Texas Rangers. But on a 12-game slate where Dustin May isn't going to be highly owned, the Rangers aren't going to be really highly owned, in all likelihood, I just don't see that there's going to be a reason I want to target them. Yeah, no, I'm uh... – I totally understand where you are, uh, where you are coming in terms of that. Uh, next up, we have got the Royals and the White Sox. We've got uh, Lopez going for the White Sox, or you know, expect to be going for the White Sox, and Danny Duffy going for the Royals. Is Danny Duffy a SP two target for you? Yeah, he has been a lot this year. He's he's pitching pretty well. Uh, he's he's another guy who, when he was younger, he was like a really solid pitcher, and then he dropped off and then kind of started to pick it up towards the end of last season. And now this year he's been really strong. I mean, he's opened the year 3.99 ERA, uh, 3.73 FIP for DFS purposes. We really like out of him is that 10.43 strikeouts per nine innings. So even in some tough matchups, like there was a matchup, uh, I want to say like two or three weeks ago where the twins were the highest owned offense on the slate going up against Danny Duffy and Duffy just totally shut them down. He made for a really great leverage play. So you look at the price tag at 6700 I'm not sure why his price tag isn't going up because the amount of good DFS outings he's had, and this is a really favorable matchup for him against the Royals too, like you would think that he'd be a little bit more expensive, but he just remains too cheap based on the kind of upside he's had and how well he's pitching. So he's he's my favorite cheap pitching target and my top SP2 on DraftKings. Yeah, you know, the other side with Lopez, you know, A, how many pitches will he be given in, in this one? Uh, you know, the MLB note, you know, talked about, you know, throwing 50 uh, pitches last time, felt like it could have gone more. So, I mean, I think that's got to be kind of a little bit of a, a caution even if you're looking for, an ex, you know, he's a second lowest price pitcher on the slate in, in terms of DK. But, uh, you know, in terms of those Chicago White Sox bat, because even someone uh, in the chat had mentioned up of uh, loading up on the White Sox. 
Yeah, so here's the situation where I don't mind loading up on the White Sox is if you just look at the if you just look at the pricing, um, it's it's really favorable on Danny Duffy, and that could lead to a lot of ownership on him. If that's the case, then it makes sense to target some of those White Sox bats, you know, like Jose Abreu. Edwin Encarnacion's hitting the ball better than he was a couple weeks ago. Tim Anderson hits the ball really well against left-handed pitching. So to me, it's just an ownership question. If if the White Sox are low-owned or if Danny Duffy's high-owned, then they make for really good a leverage target, which I think could be the case. I just don't know for sure right now because we don't have that information in front of us. Uh, but there's definitely a situation where I could see if the White Sox make for a really good leverage stack. So when, when me and Adam did the early bird podcast last night, we did not have salary. So we were kind of talking just in, in generalities more than anything else about the games. But the one pitcher we had talked about of a potential value play in a good spot is Corbin Burns for the Brewers going up against uh, the dreadful Pittsburgh offense, <laughs> I guess yes. is one way to put it. Yeah. Um, and his pricing came out on DK's 8100 7200 on FanDuel, and $36 – or no, excuse me, $32? No, $36 on, on Yahoo. So when I'm looking for – to save, maybe save a little uh, salary on a pitcher, Corbin Burns might be someone I'm looking at. Yeah, you know what? Um, I mean, looking at the pitching matchups, Corbin Burns, I would have expected him to be cheaper than what the price actually is, but I still don't mind what the what the salary is on him. Because if you look at his numbers this year, it's pretty solid. It's 3.42 ERA, it's 2.96 FIP, uh, 12.3 strikeouts per nine innings. The walks are always going to be a little bit of concern, uh, but still there's the strikeout upside there and just the fact that he's pitched reasonably well. And then, like you mentioned, the matchup too. I mean, the Pirates have a... 55 WRC plus against right-handed pitching. So we talked about how bad the Rangers are against righties. The only team worse than them in the league is the Pittsburgh Pirates. 55 WRC plus for them, a 24.8% strikeout rate against right-handed pitching. That is, um, what is that, seventh or eighth? So you look at Corbin Burns, that's the one thing he does really well is he generates swing and misses. He has really good stuff. Sometimes he doesn't know where the ball is going out of his hand, which is why the walks are high. But against a team that strikes out as much as the Pirates and also have you know, a really weak offense as a whole. And they don't walk all that much. They only have a 7.3% walk rate as a team. So I think that all plays into Corbin Burns' hands. If his one issue is going to be maybe the command, but he's facing a team that strikes out a lot and doesn't walk all that much, then I think it stands to reason that he's probably a little less prone to control issues against the Pirates. All right, let me uh, just bring this point up to you. How do you not stack the Brewers? So going up against Derek Holland, I don't I don't know that there's a way that that you don't that you don't sack him. The other like, thing, it's all because Derek Holland's on the mound. Yeah, for for sure. And the other thing too, they're not that expensive, right? Like you 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 would expect going up against Derek Holland at home, pitchers park in Milwaukee. I mean, hitters park in Milwaukee. You would think, well, the Brewers have to be pretty priced up for this. And then you look at the salaries, and it's like Jed Jericho's four thousand. Obviously, Al Garcia, who's always hit lefties really well, he's thirty nine hundred. And then you've got Justin Smoke is thirty five hundred, so it, you can make a stack of them for not all that not all that much salary. And I mean, I haven't really gone through and looked at how all the salaries totally match up, but I would imagine that you make a Brewer stack with like Corbin Burns as Max Scherzer as your starting pitchers, and it's probably not too hard to fit those guys in together. Yeah, I mean, I just I, I as I you know, and obviously we're at to see where where ownership you know, comes in as the day goes on. But as long as ownership is not crazy on a Brewer stack, that's going to be a stack that I'm just going to look at. And it's just because of Derek Holland. I mean, he is, he's been awful. <laughs> that's about For the, a while. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like, you know, he was one of those guys in like season long fantasies. Like he was kind of like always a guy I would look at, especially he was on a free agent to start week type thing. But man, he is just, I mean, you, you look at it, you know, over a six ERA, you know, on the season, um, you know, it's just, just hasn't been good. I, you know, and you mentioned about the price points on the Brewers, you know, even if you want to, you know, you know, take the, the high end bats, you know, yellow just is 5,000. Yeah. So like earlier we talked about Juan Soto and whether Soto would be worth playing at 5,900. And then you look at a guy like Yelich who's $800 cheaper and a more favorable matchup. Like that's a spot that I would, I would prefer to go to a, a over Soto just because for the for the price, like that's just too cheap for Yelich. 
Uh, the only thing is maybe, you know, like Colin doesn't start. Um, but I, I don't think that would be the, would be the case. The other thing too is, you know, Derek Collins actually kind of like, he's like left-handed Edwin Jackson, right? Like he's been not good for a really long time, but just keeps ending up on teams. So, I mean, since 2016, he's been on the Rangers, the White Sox, the Giants, the Pirates. Like he's played on, he, he plays on like one and a half teams a year. And for some reason, there's this thing where every team thinks like, hey, Derek Collins didn't work for this team, but he's going to work for my team. And every team has taken a run at Derek Collins. And it just, it just isn't working out. He's had an ERA north of six in three of the last four seasons. The only time he didn't was when he pitched in the super pitchers park in San Francisco. So I, I think that he gets lit up here because he probably gets lit up just about every time he takes them out at this point in his career. Yeah. I mean, you look at, you know, obviously we all remember that Tigers game where he gave up, what was it? Four homers in the first inning. It was four, I think four, four homers in the first six batters. Yeah, five or yeah, five five or six batters. Um, you know, he, he he did come off an eighteen point performance in, in his last one, but yeah, to me, uh, I, I look at the Brewers. I, I think that's a, a team that and bats that you have to look at. Uh, then we got the Indians and the Cardinals. This was another one that we were uh, on the early bird. We were kind of wondering where would Tristan McKenzie's salary come in at after his tremendous uh, debut uh, and of course on DK 6600 8700 on FanDuel uh $47 on Yahoo so you got, do got to pay up, up for him on Yahoo a little bit I feel like he his ownership's gonna be with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Be fairly significant on DK and FanDuel. Yeah, probably. And I mean, if you look at his first start, he was, I mean, he was ridiculously good. He only gave up one run, uh, six innings. He had nine strikeouts. So, I mean, the one question you have when you look here is not that easy of a matchup against the Cardinals. They have a, where are they? That's actually kind of neutral. They have a 94 WRC plus. So the the one concern here, like you said, is going to be the ownership, right? Like per dollar, he's a really strong play. And I'm going to assume that he's going to be massively owned, which if that's the case, that kind of makes me want to make some Cardinals leverage stacks just because like, as good as McKenzie looked, he is a top pitching prospect. It's one start, right? We don't know that much about him. And there's a chance that the first start was maybe a fluke. It probably is not. I think he's going to be a good pitcher long-term, but there's enough uncertainty there where I'm not, I don't want to roster a pitcher like really heavily, if he's going to be like 60% owned or something like that, because he's underpriced on DraftKings, like I, I don't want to be like, well, I have to get him in all my lineups now. Like I'm certainly going to have exposure to him, but there's going to be other cheap pitchers I roster also. And if his ownership is what I expect it to be, then I think it makes sense to stack the Cardinals who are not expensive at all. Uh, if we look at their lineup, you got Paul Goldschmidt at 5,100, but beyond him, every player is 4,500 or cheaper. Colton Long leading off 4,000. Brad Miller's had a great season. He's 4,200. Uh, Paul DeYoung is a good hitter. He's 4,300. Yadi Molina, 3,800, one of the top uh, hitting catchers in the league. So, so there's a lot of reasons to stack the Cardinals just for a leverage play. What about stacking the Indians? Uh, I'm, I'm less interested in stacking the Indians just because Ponce de Leon, who's expected to start for, for the Cardinals tonight, is a decent pitcher, and the pricing is just way out of hand on the Cardinals. Like, Jose Ramirez, 5,400. Lindor, 5,000. Uh, it, you have to get down the lineup to find some cheaper hitters like Tyler Nyquist, twenty five hundred. But the issue with some of those cheaper bats at the end of the car, of the Indians lineup, they usually only get once one or two plate appearances because once the starting pitcher comes out, they pinch hit right. So if, if a left handed pitcher comes in to face Nyquist, they go to Jordan Luplo off the bench. So that just makes it really hard for me to trust any of those cheaper bats at the end of the Indians lineup. Like, unless it's a spot that's really good for the Indians where I just want to plug them into a stack because I'm expecting them to come up, you know, once or twice in a position with runners on uh, in scoring position, then it makes sense. But in a spot where I think a Tyler Nyquist pretty likely to get pinch hit for at some point during the game, it's it's tough for me to trust some of those cheaper hitters. No, it's, I, I completely understand where you're coming from. You know, I, I you know, it's the McKenzie ownership is going to be interesting. You know, it is, it, it, is it – 
Is it closer to 60% as opposed to 50%? You know, and what what becomes a point that it concerns you, even though it is obviously a potential value play if he can go out there. I mean, you know, I'm not saying he's going to get 10 strikeouts like he did his last, in his debut, but also let's say he gets six or seven. So here's what I'll say. And if you're playing cash games, you roster McKenzie as your SP2. If you're playing GPPs, I think you could spread a little bit and go with other cheaper starting pitchers to, ma- to match with Scherzer. Because I assume that the chalk lineup construction on the slate is Scherzer, McKenzie, and Coors Field. That's how I think most people are going to look at the slate and build their lineups. And, I mean, it makes sense. Like, if you're just going points per dollar, what you expect to be the most likely outcomes – that's probably what the most likely best outcome is in terms of lineup construction. But on a 12-game slate where we have a lot of options, I don't necessarily want to fall into the spot that I just think everybody else is building the lineups the same exact way. So it's going to depend on what that ownership looks like. And I think that Danny Duffy's a really strong pivot off of McKenzie if the ownership is what I expect it to be. Uh, Someone in the chat says, if McKenzie gets 20 points, do you need him as an SP2? Yeah, probably. Uh, you, you've mentioned a couple of times about this uh, game at Coors Field. We, we've made our way uh, to this game between the Padres and, and, and the Rockies. I, I will tell you this, just a straight, just from a baseball aspect, I, I just want to turn on the Padres game just to see what Fernando Tatis might do. Yeah, I mean, I want to I, – I, I want to see him walk out to some crazy music that's going to trigger everybody. You know, like I want to see him come out to cry me a river by Justin Timberlake. <laughs> I want him to swing on three O pitches with a 10 run lead in the eighth inning so that everybody starts crying after the game's over. Uh, it, there's a lot of upside here. Obviously it's a course field game. The total for this game is set at 12 runs. Kyle Freeland has bounced back this year. He was actually pretty good two years ago, sucked last year and has looked pretty good this year. But his pitching profile is just not good for Coors Field. Like a guy who gives up a lot of contact is generally, it's just not a long-term sustainable thing at Coors Field. Where it'd be like, oh, this is a guy who I think could have success as, as a guy who strikes out five hitters per nine innings. Because if, if you're giving up contact at Coors Field and the ball is getting put in play, more often than not, it's going to lead to extra base hits. It's going to lead to home runs. So Kyle Freeland, to me, I think is a pretty good pitcher to – pick on despite some of the success he's had early in the season. And then kind of the same thing goes for Zach Davies on the other side of the game with the Padres, where he's the guy who also is a pitch to contact pitcher, doesn't really walk guys, doesn't get strikeouts either. And it's just hard to imagine that's a really good pitcher profile for Coors Field. If the ball gets put in play, it's going to lead to runs. And Zach Davies for the year um, is giving up a decent amount of fly balls, only a 38% ground ball rate for his career, only a 644 strikeouts per nine innings. Uh, I, I think this is a good game to target on both sides, as is the entire field is going to feel the same way. There are some cheap bats I think we could target from the Rocky side of the game. Uh, Toppy has been leading off at 3,700. That's much too cheap. Daniel Murphy, 5,200. Ryan McMahon, 4,200. Uh, Sam Hilliard, who homered the last time the Rockies played, he's only 3,000. So even though the big guys in the middle of the order are really expensive for Colorado, there's a ton of other cheap bats that if you're building lineups in Fancy Cruncher, they're, they're just going to come out with a bunch of ownership because the points per dollar just makes so much sense. Yeah, we've got five bats in this game that are uh, above 5,600. Uh, that's Aaron Otto's story, Machado, Blackman, and, of course, uh, Tatis Jr. Yeah, it, it's just going to be it's just gonna be a matter of uh, what, is, what does the final lineups look like and then also what does the ownership look like in this game. Uh, the other the other players to consider from the Rocky uh, from the Padres side of the game, the expensive bats all make sense. Uh, I think everybody's going to want to pay up for Machado. Everybody's going to want to pay up for Tatis. Machado's been on fire lately, and I'm sure everybody's aware of it. Uh, outside of him, Will Myers has hit left-handed pitching pretty well for most of his career. Only 4,100 for him. That makes a lot of sense. If you move down the order, uh, Ty France is 3,900. He's somebody who we have seen with a lot of power upside at times. If, if I remember correctly, actually, I think there was a game at Coors Field like three years ago where he hit like three home runs batting eighth at like 1% ownership. And I remember him being like a really crazy play. Um, not saying I expect that or anything, but there's just there's power upside there for him against left-handed pitching, hitting at the bottom of the lineup at a cheap price. So there, there are the, the expensive bats make sense, but don't overlook some of the cheaper guys. 
Yeah, well, you mentioned about Machado and the streak that he has been on. If you go back to August the 18th, that was his lowest scoring DK points. That was 10. Since then, he has scored 25, 18, 14, 19, 21, 21, 37, and 14. And now he's in Coors Field. Yeah, it's 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 probably going to be a. I would I would expect a good day from. It's funny too because for a while everybody was saying I'm like oh my like Fernando Tatis is going to be MVP this year. Uh, he might not even be the MVP on his team by the time the season's <laughs> over. The rate Machado's going. So I, I don't I haven't seen like updated MVP odds, but I would assume National League MVP. Uh, the odds Tatis and Machado are probably both in the top five. Oh, no question about that. Of course, you, you hear us talking about, uh, you know, what we're looking at ownerships, top stack tools, things along those lines. If you want to get access to those tools, uh, go to Osmo.com forward slash join and get an Osmo Plus MLB weekly pass for $15.95. This gives you full access to our leading player projections, ownership projections, and the top pitcher tool and so much more. Get your pass today. All you got to do is go to awesome.com forward slash join and sign up for an MLB weekly pass for $15.95. So be sure to check that out right now over there at awesome.com. Next up, we got the A's and the Astros. Uh, Bassett going for the A's and McCullers going for the Astros. Yeah, so McCullough's kind of in a weird spot because there's been some slates where I've targeted him and he's done well, but in hindsight, I feel like it was pretty lucky to get away with some with some decent fantasy point outings from him because he doesn't look all the way back from Tommy John surgery last year. It's not that he's been terrible. It's he's just not quite the same pitcher he was before. The velocity's a little bit down. Uh, the walks are a little bit up versus career average, except he's always been a guy who's struggled with his command at times. The thing that's a little concerning is just the 7.18 strikeouts per nine innings. So if you look at his current price point and also a tough matchup against the Oakland A's, I, I don't really think this is a slow we want to target McCullers, but at, at the same time, I still think the McCullers is decent enough where I don't want to stack Oakland against him. So it's kind of a spot where both sides, I'm not really going to be on it. And then the same goes for Chris Bassett pitching for, for Oakland. I don't really want to roster him against against the Astros. That's a tough matchup. But I also think there's better offenses to target than the Astros, who, if you remember a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the Astros, I was talking the Astros a decent amount at the beginning of the year because I was like, hey, nobody wants to roster the Astros. Everybody has this bias <laughs> against Houston. They hate them. And then Houston finally had a couple of good games. And people were like, hey, I guess I want to roster the Astros because uh, they, they make people money. Uh, so, so now I feel like we have more reasonable ownership on the Astros going forward. Um, and there's just other spots I'd rather pay up for. The bats are really expensive. We got Altuve's 5,200, uh, Yuri Gurriel's 5,000, George Springer's 4,700, Carlos Correa's 4,900. If these guys were still in like the 4,200 range, like they were a couple weeks ago, then I want to get exposure to them, but there's a course field game. There's other offenses in good spots. So that kind of makes the Astros not a team I want to look at. Uh, Patrick had asked us why we didn't uh, talk about the Minnesota Detroit game. That's because it's not part of the main slate. That's uh, part of the you know early slate. I know there there was some uh, you know single games you could play with that, but that's uh, we're breaking down the main slate, which is twelve games here uh, tonight. The other thing too, it's a double header, so it's it's seven inning games, and it looks like DraftKings and FanDuel they've had a couple slates where the seven inning games have made it in, but it looks like now they're just either excluding them or they're making a notice that hey, seven inning games, none of these players accrue any fantasy points because it, it just kind of creates a weird situation where all the games are nine innings and there's just like one or two games that are seven innings. So I, I think going forward, there's probably not going to be double header games on main slates. Yeah, another question that uh, we got, this is more uh, a general question of, uh, you know, is this slate a good day to pay down for some pitchers? I mean, it's possible just because if you really want to stack bats and you want to get those cores field those course field players. I think it's a viable strategy for me though. And this is something I always say, and this is just my strategy. I've always approached MLB is there's more consistency with high end pitchers than are with high end bats, right? Like there's very few times that Max Scherzer is going to score like negative or zero fantasy points. Like there's, there's only going to be a couple times a year that Max Scherzer really gets blown up. On the other hand, there's going to be days where Mike Trout scores zero fantasy points. And so if you're just looking at long-term, how you want to generate the most, consistent amount of fantasy points, especially for me as somebody who plays 150 lineups on most slates, it, you're just going to get more consistent returns long-term with the aces, the, the Max Scherzers, the Jacob DeGroms, 
as more consistent spots to send your spend your salary over the high end bats. So when I see Max Scherzer in a favorable matchup against the Red Sox, I think that's a, a more prudent way to set to spend my money than on some of the expensive bats. So for me, I'm going to play more of Scherzer than the field. Uh, it is vile to go with cheap bats. It's just not usually the strategy. The cheap pitchers. It's just not usually the strategy I go with. Uh, one of the questions that we had gotten over in Slack was our, our thoughts about uh, Andrew Haney uh, pitching for the Angels tonight going up against the Mariners. Yeah, so, I mean, that's one of the next games for us to talk about. Uh, 7,800 on on DraftKings. I think Heaney is uh, a really solid SP2 option. Actually, in the first dummy um, dummy crunch I did coming into the slate, where I didn't, I didn't put in any settings or anything. I just kind of let it run, do its mm-hmm. own thing. It, it came out with Heaney as the as – the, pitcher at highest owned in in my build uh, that's not going to be the case for me when the slate actually starts but if you look at Heaney's numbers like there's reasons to be optimistic about him even though he has a 5.52 ERA he's a 3.15 fit so then I look deeper into his numbers and it's like okay how come there's such a big uh, disparity between his ERA and his peripheral numbers and the first thing that stands out a 338 BABIP so he's gotten really unlucky with balls in play he has a career 297 BABIP so there's no reason to think that this amount of balls in play should continue to lead to hits. And then he has a 60% strand rate. So that's also really low. He has a 73.4% strand rate for his career. So what's happening is he's getting unlucky with hitters getting on base after making contact. And then he's also getting unlucky with those runners scoring more often than they, than they should. So his ERA is inflated. But if you look at still uh, striking out over a hitter per inning and a favorable matchup against the Mariners, plus he's pitching at home in a pitcher's park, I think there's a lot of reasons to like Heaney as an SP2 at 7,800. Yeah, I just I just started a crunch to see, just dummy crunch, just not putting in any factors in. And uh, so I'm through 65 lineups, 89% have Haney in it. Yeah, and I mean, it's going to end up being probably about the same for you as it was for me, just because, uh, I mean, we're using the same projections to to do that. The I, They might have updated a little bit since then, so that could lead it to be a little bit different, but... Still, I mean, Heaney came out as the as the highest stone pitcher in, in that crunch I did. Like I said, Scherzer is going to end up being my highest stone pitcher, but he's definitely going to be my player pool, and he's going to be somebody I want to get a decent amount of exposure to. Yeah, just kind of looking at, at what it's just from a pitching aspect brought out. Uh, 1% Derek Holland. Yeah, that's, that's too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that's where, you know, yeah, it's uh, right now it's come up uh, Haney. A uh, guy we're going to talk about here in a moment in the final game, uh, Zach Gallon at 83%. Then it's Tyler Anderson. We'll talk about Anderson there. And then it's it's Holland and Burns. Uh, now it's got Holland and 2%. Like, that's where I'm going to go uh, in fancy country and say 0%. <laughs> yeah. you know, I want no exposure to Derek Holland. But, uh, you know, in, in terms of anything on the Seattle bat-wise in that game interest you? No, they, they kind of got off to a decent start, but they've – kind of been more what we expect from them now in recent games they have against left-handed pitching for the season 70 wrc plus that's near the bottom of the league also a 27.3 percent strikeout rate so that's the third most strikeouts against left-handed pitching of any team in the league so all that you put together you look at andrew heaney reduced price tag there's a lot of reasons to think that he's been unlucky so far this year and then with a struggling mariners offense i think everything kind of aligns for a good game from heaney and i've i have no interest in any of those mariners guys we mentioned about uh, Zach Gowan, uh, third highest price pitcher on DraftKings. I kind of he's one of these guys. I wonder if he's going to be the pivot for some people who elect to go against putting Scherzer in their lineup. Yeah, I, I don't mind it. I mean, because Gowan's pitched, you know, he's pitched well this year. He's he has a two point two five ERA. He has been a little bit lucky to have that kind of ERA because kind of the opposite of Andrew Keeney with his strikeouts and left on base straight. Uh, 253 BABIP for for Gallon and a 93.8% strand rate. So anybody who gets on base on Gallon, just they haven't scored so far this year. That's that's not going to be sustainable long term. If you look at the projection models for him, like Zips has him at a 3.74 ERA for the last for the rest of the season. It's solid. It's not really in line with what he's doing right now. Uh, I think that's probably what we expect from Gallon going forward is an ERA in like the mid to high three range. Uh, in a matchup against the San Francisco Giants, it's it's favorable. 9700 the price tag is decent. I think he's worth getting exposure to. Uh, I prefer Scherzer, though, if if comparing the two. Uh, in terms of uh, the bats in this game, what's what's your favorite bat on each side? 
Yeah, so I don't have any interest in the Giants side of the game. It's just too tough a matchup, too many other uh, guys to roster. If you look at Tyler Anderson, though, he's another guy who's been really lucky to have an ERA as low as what he has. He um, it's sixty four hundred on DraftKings. Maybe people will look at at uh, at Tyler Anderson with a three point four five ERA and think like, oh, that's a guy I want exposure to. But you look at his peripheral numbers: four point seven two four point seven two FIP, five point six seven xFIP. The walk rate is fairly high, and it's just another situation of good Babbitt block. He is a, a 239 Babbitt so far this year. Compared to last year, we had a 391 Babbitt. Uh, neither one of those are realistic. The, the real results should be somewhere in between those two numbers. Uh, but I think he makes for a fairly decent pitcher to target. Um, let's see. Tim Castro has been leading off for the, for the Diamondbacks in a lot of games against left-handed pitching. He's only 3,000 on DraftKings. He makes for a decent value play. Christian Walker's always hit left-handed pitching really well. He's $3,900 on DraftKings. He would make for a decent guy to target. Um, there's no one guy that I look at here that I think is really like a terrific play, uh, but but these are some guys that I think are, are worth exposure to. Of course, so if you do have any questions uh, here last, uh, you know, five to 10-ish minutes uh, left here in the show, we'll definitely get to those questions. You can leave them right here on YouTube, or, or you can uh, put them in the premium Slack account. We'll get to all of those questions as we go on here. Um, you know, you know, I guess let's mention about some of the top stacks. So, you know, obviously we're going to see how ownership kind of plays out, but what are, what are some top stacks that uh, you're personally looking at? Yeah, so uh, one that we mentioned before, and actually it's kind of nice that I'm, I'm looking at my my dummy build right now and it actually came out as the highest stone stack for me, the Milwaukee Brewers going up against our our friend Derek Holland. Uh, they, ended up, they ended up being higher owned than any other stack in the initial build I did. And I also think looking at the pricing for me, where I say I'm always going to prioritize the high-end pitchers over the high-end batters, so that's going to lead me to probably be underweight to the Coors Field game, even though I think it's a good one to target. Uh, if I want to get Scherzer in my lineup, if I want to get exposure to guys like Zach Gallen, I'm probably going to have less stacks of the Padres and the and the Rockies than the field. And the Brewers are a team that just stands out as really favorable matchup against against Derek Collins, reasonable price tags, and then also they, they let me fit in lineups with Scherzer, with Gallon and then maybe fitting in one of the cheaper starting pitchers. So I think that's the team I'm probably going to end up having the most exposure to. Uh, three run shot says no love for Mike Miner. Well, I, the reason there's probably no love for Mike Miner is we're not, we're expecting Jordan Lyles, who was supposed to start last night, gets to start tonight. Yeah. And let me look to see on the MLB website who they have as the pitcher now. Right last now they I have look- Mike, they have Miner listed as a starter, but you would have to imagine that, you know, you would you would go with what you were going to go with last night tonight. Yeah, so if it's Lyles, um, I definitely don't have interest in him. Even if it's minor, going up against the Dodgers, I don't have interest in him. It's it's just a really tough matchup. It's not like minor's so cheap. Like if minor was like 6,800 or something like that, then then I think you'd consider him. But at, at not that cheap of a price tag with other cheap pitchers that I think are worth, are worth rostering. And going up against just such a tough Dodgers offense, the Dodgers – against left-handed pitching have uh, kind of kind of middle of the road WRC plus this year. But if I remember correctly last year, I think they finished first or second in the league against, uh, against left-handed pitching WRC plus, like they're going to be good against lefties going forward. It just, the price tag in the matchup isn't right for me to like Mike minor. Yeah. Uh, we'll tell you when I did my dummy crunch on DraftKings, a uh, lot of Dodgers coming up. Let's see. Who are some of the individual hitters? Like, although I think that might be assuming that Jordan Lyles is the starter. Yeah. So like Mookie Betts is coming up a lot. I just started one, just a, a general one on Fandle, which see what, what pops up and getting a lot of bets, Turner, Muncie, and Bellinger. You know, yeah, I, and obviously that's gonna be you're gonna have to pay up. And, and I think that's on the FanDuel side of this equation when you're you're building your lineups. With you know that you know that one pitcher spot of, are you paying up for Scherzer or are you looking to maybe try to you know grab someone in the eight thousand range to get some of those the bats that you may want in your lineup? Yeah, I think where's the eight thousand range? I, not necessarily the eight thousand range. I mean, I guess it would be in the range. But the guy who I like the most around that around that price point is Andrew Heaney at seventy eight hundred. And then if we go a little lower, there was. 
you know, Danny Duffy at 6,700. There was Tristan McKenzie at 6,600. Uh, the other thing also is I'm looking at, we do have Mike Miner in the player pool now and not Jordan Lyles. Uh, but Mike Miner at 8,300 price tag, he's projected to be the, the second lowest scoring starting pitcher on the entire slate. So if you look at him at the 8,300 price tag, that just makes him so difficult to target for a guy who's only projected to score like fantasy points. He's not yeah, I mean, somebody that will be in my, in my player pool if he's starting. Yeah, I mean, it, just on just looking at DraftKings, we're talking about the pitchers who are priced under 8K. So, I mean, you mentioned about, uh, you know, Haney at, at 7,800. We talked a little bit about Ryan Yarbrough a little earlier. At, at 7,000, maybe a Danny Duffy at, at 6,700. McKenzie probably going to have really high ownership at 6,600. You know, I could, I, I could see a lot of people potentially putting him SP2 and then teaming him up with Scherzer. Yeah, for sure. You know, it, it all comes down to what, what does ownership look like? Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at – and oh, the other guy who we didn't mention there is uh, – we, we like Corbin Burns also going up against the Pirates. He makes sense. So if, if I had to really say what my priority pitchers are in each price range, at the high end, it would be Scherzer. In the mid-range, it's Heaney. And then on the cheap end, it's going to be either Danny Duffy or Tristan McKenzie for me, depending on what ownership looks like. Um, in cash games, I think you just go with McKenzie because he's everybody's going to roster him anyway. Right. So mm-hmm. if he's a good value and he's going to be like 70% owned in cash games, then then you just want to have him in there and go with the field. You know, and of course, with what's with everything going on, this is where you have to be paying attention all day long, you know, and, and making sure, you know, if you're, you know, you got to line up, you know, or, you know, if you're like us playing 150 lineups of, you know, making sure if there's a game postponed, you, you get those swaps out and, and just paying attention. I mean, obviously, I think for pretty much about you know, 5 p.m. Eastern time on is really when you got to be paying attention to, to see if we're going to have any games that do get postponed. I mean, as, as we sit here right now, we do have 12 scheduled games. So that's something to to sit and, and, and think about in terms of that. Um, you know, so that's gonna that's gonna make roster construction just kind of pay attention of, of of whether or not we are going to have any games that get postponed. Yeah, for sure. And uh, any final questions in the chat? If anybody anybody has anything they want to get in early in the day before we before we sign off, now is the time. Of course, uh, definitely want to mention that we do have a giveaway going on over on our Twitter account at Osmo underscore com, where you can win a month of Osmo Plus MLB access. Just reply to the pinned tweet that we have with your prediction of which team scores the most runs tonight and follow the instructions on the graphic to make sure that you are eligible. Also, be sure to check out our sponsor, Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, as they now do offer CSV upload and CSV edit features. When you're looking to play those multiple lines, make better choices. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Also should note, uh, Live Before Lock will be today at 6 p.m. Eastern time. I will be hosting that show. Uh, Terry McBride will be joining me uh, on that show, so be sure to check out us today for MLB Live Before Lock. Uh, Matt says, best pitcher under 8K. I'm guessing he means DraftKings. Yeah, if he means DraftKings, then it's, it's Andrew Keeney for me. Uh, like I said before, he's been a little unlucky to have an ERA as high as it is. He's a good strikeout pitcher, really good matchup against the Mariners, and the 7800 7, price tag is is pretty reasonable. If, we're, if we say that's FanDuel-related, um, so we got McCullers at 78, Bassett at 78. We talked about we really didn't um, like those spots uh, in there. Uh, Burns, 72 on FanDuel would be someone I would probably look at. Yeah, 7,200 on Burns is really reasonable. Um, I'm just bringing it up because I just always have the DraftKings pricing in front of me to, to start um, just because there's more pitchers we usually need to talk about on, on DraftKings. Um, I, I will say on FanDuel, the, I think the way to go is to roster Scherzer, um, but obviously that's not for everybody. And if you want to go cheaper, um, you mentioned Burns at 7,200. That makes sense. Um see some of the other pricing here he needs only 6900 on FanDuel like that's the, that's the way I would go on FanDuel that's a ridiculously cheap price for Heaney he's per dollar he would be the 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 number one pitcher for me there and he would be the guy who I have the second most exposure to um behind Scherzer I'm assuming once I build my lineups it's probably going to be 
Uh, Scherzer's my highest owned pitcher. Heaney, two on FanDuel. Uh, whereas McKenzie's priced all the way up at 8,700 on FanDuel. So on FanDuel, I don't think there's any reason to target, uh, to target him all the way at that price tag. Um, so Heaney, Scherzer, Corbin Burns. I don't know if there's any other pitcher I'd really have a significant amount of exposure to on FanDuel. Let's leave on, on this question. We talked about this a little earlier, but uh, Alan asked about uh, Sanchez. We don't know uh, officially who's going for the Marlins, but uh, I know you kind of talked about Sanchez a little earlier when we were talking about that game. So just kind of, uh, you know, rehash what you said about uh, your, your thoughts about Sanchez if he goes for the Marlins. Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely don't need to consider him on FanDuel at his price point. He's really cheap on DraftKings, but – Still, I don't think that we need to target him. The The Rays have a good offense. We don't have a, a spread yet for that game, except I assume that the Rays would be pretty decent favorites and projected a score mm-hmm. somewhere, you know, in the neighborhood of like four and a half to five runs. There's other cheap pitchers I prefer. And then there's just so many good lefties that are in the Rays lineup. Like, I mean, Austin Meadows, now that he's healthy, uh, Brandon Lau, uh, G-Man Choi, uh, Tsutsugo, who I mentioned is a potential good value play. If, if it's Sanchez starting for the Marlins, he's only 2,300 and usually hits in the middle of the Rays lineup. Uh, so I, I think the way to go would be roster some of those cheaper bats on the Rays for value if Sanchez starts. I wouldn't consider rostering Sanchez. Of course. Uh, well, well, we do live before lock here later on today. We'll definitely know who that starter is for the Marlins. So we can, uh, we're going to finish on that note. As always, man, uh, appreciate the time. Always great to to sit here on a, a, an early Friday afternoon to talk about today's slate. So live before lock come up here at 6 p.m. Eastern time today. Jordan, man, you can hit that music and we'll get out of here for this edition of the MLB Strategy Show right here on awesomeoak.com. <laughs> <laughs>